Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob Podcast. We are Husker heavy today. We got two topics, one Husker football and then one Husker basketball thought uh, kind of hit me as I was I was perusing around my house. Actually, I was mowing the lawn. So uh, two Husker topics and we're out of here. Let's get to it. Here we go. We'll start with some Husker football. And I was thinking about Husker football and, and different topics for my podcast because, I mean, listen, to let you into my world, you can just never go wrong from my standpoint in terms of providing content to just go the Nebraska football route, especially this time of year, as we are now kind of basically just counting down the days to fall camp and then the first game against Northwestern. That's going to kind of be here before you know it. Fourth of July, Fourth of July is just around the corner. You're going to blink. Big Ten media days are going to be here, and then you're going to blink, and fall camp's going to start. And then again, a week zero game creeps up on you fast. But you get to this point, uh, and it, for, from a, a content provider's perspective, like I am with with this podcast, where you've somewhat hit on almost all of the angles right now. But I was thinking about, I was thinking about just a broad thing of important players. You know, I've done the five, the most important transfers and different things like that. We've spent a lot of times on the, a lot of time on the newcomers and and the the kind of sexy positions, right? Quarterback Casey Thompson, Chubba Purdy, running back Anthony Grant, wide receiver Trey Palmer. Defensively, what about O'Shawn Mathis? Like we've we've talked a ton. In fact, a large portion of the time has been. Spent kind of discussing those players that I just named. Grant, Thompson, Palmer, Mathis. Like, those guys have really gobbled up a lot of the oxygen, if you will, in this in in this Husker football kind of chatter. And it got me to thinking, okay, who are, who are three of the most important players for Nebraska next year that don't really get talked about enough? And listen, you you could expand this out to five to ten players. But I'm talking about three guys who are really, really important that just don't get a ton of chatter. And the way I've kind of framed it is like I'm talking about guys who will who will start or even could start, are gonna play vital roles or could play a vital role that we just haven't really talked a ton about during the last few months, whenever a discussion pops up about Nebraska football, the team, and projecting the season next year. Who are those guys? Okay, here we go. Three most important Huskers that don't get talked about enough heading into next year. The first one is Luke Reimer. You know who led the team in tackles last year? Luke Reimer. You know who will more than likely lead the team in tackles again this year? Luke Reimer. You know what we don't talk about very much? Luke Reimer. You know who's extremely important next year? Luke Reimer. He's a really good player who, for whatever reason, just doesn't get a ton of discussion. You know, when we go to the linebacker spot, you, you talk Henrich, you talk Garrett Nelson sometimes. He's a really, really good player 
that doesn't get a ton of chatter. I mean, you can think about it. this guy that led the team in tackles last year, likely going to, like, of all the safe bets, you know, outside of probably, I don't know, like, who will lead the team in blank? Like, I almost think the thing I'm most confident in saying would be Luke Reimer will lead the team in tackles. Like, I, it'd be hard to say this guy will lead the team in receiving. I don't know. I mean, I want to say Palmer, but I don't know. This guy will lead the team in rushing. I want to say Anthony Grant, but I don't know. This guy will lead the team in passing. I mean, I think it's probably safe to say Casey Thompson, but who knows? Injuries, you never know what what, what things look like when you get out on the field. I've also said, because it's kind of a hot seat, do or die year, that I wouldn't be surprised if Scott Frost is much more apt to switch quarterbacks in a game. If things are going south, this dude is all hands on deck. Got to get, they got to find a way to win each game. So the player that I feel most confident in saying they are going to lead a team and in some statistical category, I would say probably Luke Reimer is going to lead the team in tackles. Really good player, doesn't get a ton of discussion. And in a league like the Big Ten, in a division like the Big Ten West, where you're going to see a lot of black and blue downhill running attacks, sure, you better be good in the trenches, but you also better have a really good player at inside linebacker. You better have a guy that can win one-on-one situations with ball carriers, bring guys down, not get those leaky yardage, erase mistakes, be tough, have good instincts. And Luke Reimer checks a lot of those boxes. He's got really good sideline-to-sideline speed. He's got really good instincts. And a guy who I think seems just like, he seems like he's just getting better and better and better. So you would think a guy that led the team in tackles, likely going to lead the team in tackles again, would get a little more discussion, and he just kind of hasn't. So I'm here to say we need to start talking about Luke Reimer more. When you're making lists of important players for next year, I would think you'd want to start with whoever's going to lead the team in tackles. Right? Luke Reimer's got to be on more lists of important players and more discussions that you have, whether it's just you and your friend group or you're reading columns in the paper or online or you're listening to podcasts like this. we got to give Luke Reimer some more love. So he'd be the first guy I'd throw out there. Second guy I'd throw out there. And this one's hard because I'm actually looking at a preview magazine. I'm, I'm looking okay, let me put, this is Lindy's preview magazine for college football. And this guy's on the cover of it. So you'd go, well, this guy's clearly getting this talked about enough. But I don't know if he is. And that guy is Ramir Johnson. And he's a unique guy to throw on this list that I've concocted here. Because he may not start. And then secondly, I don't think he's like an elite, great player. But think about this for a second. First of all, I don't think it would stun anyone if he is the starter in that Northwestern game at Ireland. Certainly wouldn't stun me. Would it stun you? I, it wouldn't shock me. All right, here comes Nebraska, first and ten. Under center, Casey Thompson behind him, going to be Ramir Johnson. Like, would that stun you? It wouldn't. But, but really think about this. Ramir Johnson is the only running back that has any real legit experience at this level in terms of its, you know, the, the top of that depth chart right now at that running back spot. Think about it. Anthony Grant, junior college. A.J. Allen, high school. 
Gabe Irvin coming off an injury, only 37 career carries. Jacquez Yant, he's only got 47 career carries, and he's young. So is Gabe Irvin. Like, we think Anthony Grant will be the guy, but we don't know. There's no question Jacquez Yant and Gabe Irvin are intriguing, but there's a pretty small sample size for both guys. And for as much as... as even a guy like Yant needed to improve his body. He also needs to tighten up his mental game, too, in terms of assignments. There were times he would go the wrong direction or mess up a mistake or mess up a play. And I think in the Michigan game, he went the wrong way on a handoff and it got stuffed and he got benched. It was in like the early third quarter, maybe. Might have even been second quarter. And A.J. Allen, I mean, the guy went to the prom two months ago. Like, he's never played a down of college football. So you just don't know. He might be good. He might be out there balling. I don't know. But I say all that to say Ramir Johnson has the most experience. And again, I don't think he's a great player, but he's serviceable and he's experienced. He's had 112 carries last year, most carries by a running back on the roster, good in pass protection, good pass catcher. And again, he's done it. He's he's done it. I, I look at Ramir Johnson as the ultimate security blanket for that position. Ideally, you have it at that running back spot. You'd, you'd like to have it be someone back there that's maybe a little, little more dynamic, a little bigger, like Grant, like Yant. But Ramir Johnson gives you a guy that you can lean on if things don't work out. Ideally, with those other guys... In some in some ways. And that sounds like it's weird. As I'm saying this, it sounds like I'm really shortchanging Ramir Johnson, which I guess I am. I mean, I guess I can't dance around that. But that's just how I see it. Like he's I look at him, I just like, man, that's a major insurance policy at that running back spot. I think if if Brian Applewhite or and Mark Whipple had their ideal situation play out, it's Anthony Grant as the every down back, and maybe Ramir Johnson is your third down back, Yance maybe your short yardage guy, and off you go. But you just don't know if those other guys can do it. And maybe all roads at the running back spot lead back to Ramir again. It's kind of how it played out last year, wasn't it? You, you tried for it to be Ramir, you tried for it to be... Uh, Marquis Step, right? And then, ult- or, excuse me, you tried for it to be Gabe Irvin. He got hurt. You tried to have it be Marquis Step. Tr- and guess who ended up being the guy? It ended up being Ramir. And even if he's just a third down back, there's still value in that. So even though he may not start, and even though I don't think he's a great player, He's not an all-conference running back. I think Ramirez Johnson is a pretty dang important player that probably doesn't get talked about enough. And, you know, because we've done, and maybe I shouldn't lump you guys into this, I've done a lot of assuming over the years with players and newcomers that they're just going to step in and it's going to work and boom, off you go. And it just, it's just usually not always like that. Take Omar Manning, for example. I mean, I I remember I put him down as one of the five most important Huskers two years ago. 
two years ago when I, I remember recording a pod. I did it with Bo Rude. We talked. I made my list of the five most important Huskers, and Omar Manning was on it. Now, maybe I ended up being right because, like, he needed to he needed to be good, and he wasn't, and Nebraska struggled. So, on like some level, I was maybe right, but on some level, your boy was doing a lot of assuming. I assumed he was the guy. I was assumed he would step he would step in Lincoln, step on the field, and produce, and be dependable, and be reliable, and be good right away. And you know what? He wasn't. And I'm not trying to pick on Omar Manning. I'm picking on myself as an example of doing too much assuming. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it. And how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. By Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. So to circle back to Ramir Johnson, of all the running backs, we know what Ramir Johnson is. We don't know what any of the other guys are. And to me, that makes him pretty important. So I think Ramir Johnson needs to get discussed more. I really, really do. Last guy on my most important Huskers that don't get talked about enough. Travis Volkalek. My guy Volkalek. I Volkalek. I important. You no talk about me. Why? Exactly, Volkalek. <laughs> exactly. Think about that position for a second, the tight end spot. No Austin Allen, he's gone. Thomas Fedoni, number one tight end recruit from two from a year ago, he's hurt. There's a pretty big gaping hole at that tight end position. The, uh, they need a guy to emerge, and Vokalek to me is the candidate for that to happen. He's a great blocker. In fact, I had heard there was some chatter for a bit about turning him into an offensive tackle, but that didn't happen. But that shows you he's pretty, he's pretty dang good blocker which obviously is important at that position. Sometimes we get really seduced at the tight end spot, and maybe it's just a product of you know guys like Gronk and, and you know Travis Kelsey. It's, it's weird. The tight end spot has become like you first think about it as a pass catcher difference maker in the passing game, where like the reality is lots of times they need to be able to they, – they better be able to get their finger in the dirt and block. Vocalek's good in that regard. And then as far as pass catching, he doesn't strike me as an over, overly dynamic guy there, but he's solid. He's not Austin Allen, but that doesn't mean he can't be pretty valuable in the passing game. He seems like a guy who's got pretty good hands. He's got a big body. He's certainly not super fast, but he's certainly not, you know, a turtle out there. He's not six foot eight like Austin Allen was, but he's six six two sixty which is a big target. And I, I looked this up. How about this? At Pitt last year under Mark Whipple, I was like, okay, what does he do with his tight ends? Let me look this up. 
Last year, now, I mean, some of this could be a result of Kenny Pickett, too. You know, best quarterback in the country last year. Their top tight end, under Mark Whipple last year at Pitt, top tight end, he caught 38 balls, 451 yards, six touchdowns. 38 catches, 450 yards, six touchdowns. They had another tight end have 28 catches, 326 yards, and four touchdowns. So between the two tight ends, you got about 900 yards, 800 yards, 10 touchdowns, and over 50 catches, 60 catches. Austin Allen last year had 38 catches, 600 yards, two touchdowns. So clearly, Whipple, Whipple will use the tight end position in the passing game. And to me, the most likely candidate, I, w- I would think, is, is Vokalek. And he doesn't get talked about very much. Now, granted, it's because he wasn't around in the spring, but still. We talk about Chancellor Brewington as a specialist blocker at the goal line spot. We talk about the fun spring story of A.J. Rollins. But what we need to talk about is Vokalek. Because with Austin Allen gone and Thomas Fedoni hurt, somebody, somebody needs to step up at that spot. And I think the guy's Vokalek. Sneaky, important player that hasn't gotten talked about enough when we project next year in Nebraska football. So there you go. A little love to three guys that are pretty dang important for Nebraska next year that don't get enough chatter, don't get enough discussion, don't get talked about enough. Luke Reimer, Ramir Johnson, and Travis Vokalek. All right, switching gears to Husker basketball. So as I was mowing the lawn, I was just kind of thinking about Husker hoops. And, man, I don't – I don't really even know what to make of this team right now. Like, go do yourself a favor. Go go. just look at their roster. Just go down and look at the names. It's a lot of, okay, who's, oh, yeah, that's the SMU guy. Okay, now who's, okay, that's the Bama guy. Okay, who's that? Okay, that's that junior college big. Okay. Like, you just go through roster, and it's tough to project anything. I'm not saying they stink and not saying they have no talent. It's just tough. As we sit here on June 22nd, as I'm recording this, to really have a great sense of Maybe how good this team will be, what they're going to look like. I mean, for instance, like, okay, they got to go play on the road at Indiana tomorrow. Who's their crunch time five? It is, let's say, jump ball, here it is, game's tipping off. Who's trotting out there? Outside of, I, I would say, Derek Walker and Sam Griesel are the two guys that I would say I guarantee you those two guys are out there. Outside of, other than those two, the net, filling in the next three, it's like C.J. Wilcher, Breidenbach, if he's healthy, Blaze Keita, Jawan Gary, Ramel Lloyd, the SMU transfer. Like, I really don't know. I really don't know whose game on the line when they're in Omaha, got to play Creighton next year, places rocking. What five are coming out there? I know two of them. I think I know two of them. Walker and Greasel. I don't know about the other three. So they're... I bring that up as just, just to show you, man, they're they're tough to get a great feel for what they're going to look like and how good they're going to be. But if you think about how they're how they're within all that, this was what hit me as I was mowing the, mowing the lawn. 
You know, sometimes, sometimes a great player on the roster or on paper can kind of make you a little lazy with with things in thinking that, ah, oh, that great player just will solve everything. And for me right now, again, this is just a summer thought as I'm mowing the lawn. I don't, I don't think Nebraska has a great player on paper. And when I say great, I'm talking like a first-team All-Big Ten stud-type great player. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't mean they can't be a good team. But my point is, when you don't have a great player on paper, it may force them to buy into the collective sum of the whole over the individual parts. It may force them to say, we have to be, it's got to be out the, it's got to be about our collective five on the floor or our collective eight or nine man rotation over just one or two guys or one superstar. Like, I think over the first couple of seasons, there's maybe been some of of the thought of like, ah, Teddy Allen, he'll he'll do it all. He'll just score it and solve things. Delano Banton, he's a six nine point guard. We'll just Delano will will make plays. Bryce McGowan's five star. Heralded recruit, likely a one and done guy. He's just going to carry us, right? We got Bryce. He's it's we got Bryce. We got Bryce McGowan's man. Even that first year, I almost think there was maybe a little bit of like overconfidence. I think Hoiberg maybe went into this thing like, man, we're just going to outscore people. I'm Fred Hoiberg. I was just coaching the Chicago Bulls. I was just in a playoff series against the Boston Celtics. You think I'm worried about Penn State? We'll just we'll we'll just outscore teams. Don't give a shit who I got. We're just gonna outscore teams. And I'm saying this year they don't really have that. At least on paper, this roster right now kind of has no choice but to buy into the details, the toughness, the execution, collectively. And for as much as talent is a great starting point when assessing a basketball team, so is the collective toughness and execution, the purpose, and the details. I don't think Nebraska, to be real honest with you, has had enough talent in the right spots so far under Fred Hoiberg. But they most certainly have lacked the latter part of what I'm discussing, the intangibles, the execution, the toughness, the competitiveness, the standard, the collective purpose. They've lacked that. For as much as we want to talk about talent, I think they've also lacked that. And I wonder if the reason because of that is Bryce, uh, we got a five-star dude. He's a one-and-done guy. He's just doing, he'll, he'll just, he'll get us out of jams. Teddy Allen, dude gets, dude's a bucket. Delano Banton, 6'9 point guard. Who's going to be able to handle that guy? I think there was some of that permeating. And again, I think at, at, at least on paper right now, this team has no choice but to completely buy into the little things. I kind of think that's what a team like Creighton had to do last year. On paper, heading into last year, for Creighton, it was a bunch of true freshmen and a Division II player. 
That team had no choice but to try to be lights out at all of the details of the game. Collective purpose, execution, toughness, competitiveness, unselfishness. At least initially they had to. I see a similar situation for Nebraska. They don't have a bona fide superstar on paper right now on that roster. And when that's the case, they got to buy into the details. The Dick Bob Podcast is powered by my good friends at Runza. You know, a few things make me more proud than the fact that Runza supports my podcast because as a Nebraskan, I've been a Runza fan my entire life. I lived down the street from a Runza growing up. was a blast to go there as a kid. Sometimes I'd even ride my bike there with my buddies. I vividly remember one of our very first elementary school field trips was to Runza. Everyone loved it. I remember going to Runza in high school for lunches with all my high school friends. And I've told you guys this, one of the happiest days at Kansas my freshman year was discovering a Runza in Lawrence, Kansas, it was like finding a little slice of home when I was away from home. And now as an adult, it's great to share runs with my kiddos who absolutely love the deliciousness of Runza. It's a little Runza story from yours truly. And you know what the menu is. Just outstanding, amazing Runza sandwiches. Oh my gosh, a piping hot cheese Runza? Mmm, that sounds good right now. Incredible burgers. The best fries on the planet. The salads are great, especially the Southwest chicken salad, my personal favorite. It's just awesome food. So whether it's lunch, dinner, a little snack, doesn't matter. Runza is the spot. You need to go download the mobile app. It's in the app store. You can order ahead, skip the line, plus you can earn rewards as well. Runza makes it all better. Again, sometimes having a great player or a perceived great player on paper can kind of just make everyone overlook certain issues or certain components. I've even felt like for football, I kind of feel like Amir Abdullah did that for a few years at Nebraska. In some ways, I look back at the end of the Pelini years, and I'm not so sure Amir Abdullah wasn't just holding that whole thing together with duct tape. I think last year on paper, there was this collective unspoken unspoken thought that Bryce McGowan's would carry things and erase all of maybe their issues and weaknesses, or at least some of them. Or Bryce would just score so much and it'd be okay. And again, I think there was maybe a little, like I said, I think there was maybe a little bit of overconfidence from this coaching staff, including Fred Hoiberg, that they were just going to walk into the Big Ten and walk into Lincoln and just outscore people. Like they like they were just going to score their way out of their shortcomings. Defensive rotations aren't on point. We'll go ahead. We'll, we'll just, we're going to score 88. Our blockouts aren't consistent. Whatever. We're going to hit 17 threes. And that didn't happen. Year one, year two, or year three. I think Fred Hoiberg and the players thought they had a bigger margin for error than they really did. And it bit them the first three years. So, you know, I just don't know how anyone would feel overconfident over there right now or feel like they are definitely going to go out score people right now or that they're, they have a superstar on paper right now. I would think they feel like we better try to we better try our best to be great at the details of this thing. We better buy into the sum of the parts being better than the individual pieces. 
because I'm going to tell you right now, and this isn't necessarily to, I mean, because, man, some some of these guys might su- surprise you. I don't know. But Dana Altman used to always give us this line of like, fellas, don't, if you think you're going to roll the ball out there and make it a beauty contest, you're not going to like the results. And I kind of think that's a little bit with Nebraska. Right? Like, if you think they're just going to roll the ball out there and just go go m- turn into a beauty contest, you're going to do that against Michigan and Indiana. I don't think you're going to like the results. So, again, I would think they're feeling like we better buy into the sum of the parts being better than the individual pieces, which I think is is a good thing in some ways right now. Because what's interesting, I think Fred Hoiberg's toughest team so far at Nebraska, the team was that was the closest to having the details and toughness done right was actually Fred Hoiberg's year one team. And you know what team was probably the least talented of the three? That year one team. When you pit Deshaun Burke and Cam Mack and Gervais Green and Kavas and Udrogo and uh, and compare them to some of the some of the teams you've seen over the last two years, like the, that year one team was was not as talented. But I think that team actually was the closest to having the details and the collective being on point than the than the past two years. And I think this team, year four, is more talented on paper than that year one team. I think. So hopefully they feel that urgency and reality to buy into the details and buy into that collective sum being more important than the individual parts because that can sustain them while they figure out that roster, figure out the rotations, figure out the confidence part of it all. Because you just never know. Maybe a really good player emerges, just like last year for Creighton. Like I said, on paper, heading into the year, they were a bunch of freshmen and a Division II transfer on paper heading into that year. But they bought into the details. They bought into that collective sum of the parts being better than the individual pieces. They bought into the the toughness, the execution, the collective purpose, and it got them some wins. It got them feeling confident. It got them in position to playing meaningful games in the in as the season wore on. And by the end of the year, they had some they had some individual players really emerge as consistent difference making players. They end up having the freshman of the year in the conference. They have the defensive player of the year in the conference. And they have a guy who, in Ryan Hawkins, probably should have been first team All Big East. Not to mention what Kaluma and Trey Alexander ended up looking like at the end of the year. And Alex O'Connell. The worst thing Nebraska can think right now is we are just going to go out and score you. We are just going to go. We are just going to score our way out of of the details. And I actually think, given how the first three years have unfolded and the makeup of this roster on paper, on paper, they won't feel that way. They won't feel that way. When when you don't feel like you're the most talented dude out there, you buy into the little things. I mean, I, I can speak to that personally. Like, when I was playing in high school, when I was playing AAU, when I was playing for Lincoln Southeast, when I was out, I felt like when I stepped on the floor, I was like, I'm the, I'm the best player on the floor. Now, I always felt like I was a pretty detail-oriented guy. But let me tell you, when I stepped on the floor, Big Monday at Texas, 
and Royale Ivy's picking me up full court. Fuck. I better I knew I better I better be off the freaking charts in all the little things if I want to survive on this floor right now. Same player, different circumstances, different mindset. I'm not saying this for those guys to not be confident. I'm not saying this to denigrate those guys. I'm just saying on paper, I don't I don't I don't know if I necessarily see a first-team All-Big Big Ten bona fide superstar right now. And when that's the case, like you you better have your details on point. I'm just individually, collectively. So, kind of, I, maybe I'm doing a lot of wishful thinking, but I'm just kind of like, man, I think given how the first three years have unfolded, given the makeup of this roster, I think you could... I, my guess is those guys are buying into the details and the little things over there. Which any great season, unless you have, you know, you're Kentucky and you got four first-rounders, five first-rounders, right? Any great basketball season at the college level begins and ends with that. The details, the little things, the execution, the collective purpose, the toughness. Just a summer mowing thought on Nebraska basketball. A Huda Media Production.